Welcome to A Case of the Mondays. I'm your host, Chris Thierfelder. Welcome to Season 3. Uh, sorry it took so long, but if you're like me, the last two to three years have been very, very weird. How are you? Are you good? Is everything okay? your family okay? Are you still worried about COVID? Are you pretending like it's no longer a problem? Are you wearing a mask? How are you doing? Are you, is it okay? You know what? I'm back. You're back. We're going to do things different this season because, frankly, we got to do things differently across the board. So why should this be any different? Maybe it'll work. Maybe it won't. But we're going to find out together. All right? Let's go. So I was wondering how I was going to start season three, episode one, how I wanted to introduce you to what I was going to be doing from here on out, or at least for the next couple of seasons. And I was struggling with it, and I was saved by Southwest Airlines. Um, if you If you're listening to this, Anytime roughly within the vicinity of the holiday season of uh, of 2022, you know that Southwest Airlines had a full system meltdown. Um, and I'm actually going to get into why that's untrue in a moment, but bear with me for a moment. They had a full system meltdown, and they canceled something on the order of 17,000 flights uh, uh, the week of Christmas and 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 after. Now, Southwest flies mostly 737s. 737s have an average uh, passenger capacity of about 140 people. 17,000 canceled flights times 140 passengers per flight, because I don't know about you, but I cannot remember the last time I was on a plane that wasn't packed at the gills. So we should just probably assume that each one of those flights was full. So 17,000 times 140 people is just shy of two and a half million people who were stranded in airports over the Christmas, the holiday season, the Christmas season. Okay, two and a half million people, give or take, are stranded. And the only thing that those people have as recourse is to deal with the frontline workers, frontline workers, frontline managers for Southwest Airlines. And everybody in those situations had an absolutely terrible time, right? If you're stranded in an airport, which I have been, I'm sure you have been, it is a miserable experience. When you're stranded and there's no obvious or or clear way to get to where you're going, certainly if it's home, it, it compounds that even worse. Finally, if you're if you're stranded and you don't know how to get to where you're going and it's the holidays, and you're planning on seeing family, it is, it, it, it's, it makes that, again, it's, it's an order of magnitude worse standing there. And so normal people who don't, who are just normal people who have got an emotional response to these things, because that is a completely reasonable response to have, need an outlet for that. And that outlet was, in many cases, the Southwest employees who, had nothing to do with the meltdown. It wasn't their fault, they, but it is their responsibility to to manage the fallout of that. So 
In response to this, I just read this a few minutes ago. In response to this, the the Southwest executives, um, CEO Bob Jordan, said, uh, I'm really sorry about the damage to your confidence and trust. Didn't take responsibility, but did apologize sort of broadly speaking generically to to uh, to his employees. Um, have done some some apologizing to their customers, but right now focus on employees. Sorry about the, the thing. We're going to give you Southwest points to make up for it. <laughs> Southwest points, which you can use if you're a Southwest employee in the Southwest Airlines store for Southwest Airlines swag. <laughs> you can... Yeah, we feel so bad about your experience over the holidays. We are going to let you buy a bunch of shirts, coffee mugs, presumably, that say Southwest Airlines on them um, in uh, in apology. And, you know, the Business Insider article that I'm reading references it and says, well, it's going to cost them $25 million. No, it's not. No, it's not. It, it and even if it did cost them $25 million, our friend Bob here uh, paid himself a $9 million bonus just like two years ago at the height of the pandemic using PPP money. So they can cover it. Anyway, why do I bring this up? I bring this up because the reason for the system failure was because the executive team would not listen to and execute on the recommendations of their mid-level management core who had been saying for some time that the software system that Southwest was using was antiquated and would result in a meltdown at some point. So, hey, let's get in front of this and and do something about it. CEO said, no, uh, too much money. That's opex that we can put on the we can we can put on the balance sheet, driver stock price up, and so on. Which is a very that's a very typical exchange. If you're listening to this, I suspect you have a similar story. If you are a, a mid level frontline manager, anything from a project manager to a a you know first first line people manager, senior manager, even a director. You've had some version of this conversation. You have identified a risk, a significant risk, and you've identified it because you are close to the problem. You're, you're working hand in glove with the frontline individuals who, who work with this, these situations all day long, every day. And you know that the systems that you are using, the, 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 the situation that you're currently in, it, it's not a problem today, but if you've been working in it within a period of time, you can you can figure out that this problem is going to be a problem down the road. And you do the right thing, right? You you develop a plan. You, you develop a proposal. You say, you know what? Um, this is going to be a problem. And here's, here's my solution to fix it. And it's going to be great. And here's what we need. And so on and so forth. And you present that and the rank and file take that into consideration and they say no. And then the thing comes to pass and the company takes a hit. And in order to satisfy 
the investor class, the executives start laying off the very people who predicted the problem uh, that they're now experiencing. So I think about this a lot because I, what I've been thinking about a lot are these frontline managers, are these leaders who are put in charge of, of actually getting shit done. You know, when you, when you hire a manager, when you hire a director, typically, or if you are that person, you kind of understand that you're, the job of that is about 90% tactical, 95% tactical. Your job is to make the trains run on time, to borrow a really terrible phrase. Um, but it seems that, you know, fascism is different these days, and so I get to use that. Um, so your job in those roles or the job of those frontline managers, those jobs of what we derisively often refer to as middle management is to ensure that these companies function that the vision and the mission of the organization is translated into actual tangible results. That is the ballgame. That is, that is the point of those leaders. And as organizations grow and expand, you add more layers to these leaders. Now, reasonable people can disagree on what the correct number of layers of management is or what the, what the right hierarchical breakdown is or is it... Are they individual cells of teams with a single team leader and it's a network? Yeah, there's a lot of ways to organize an organization. And that's, that's not what this is about. The bottom line is that in any organization you need, you need an executive, you need a visionary, you need those people at the very, very top. But in order for those people at the top to, to be successful, they have to put into place structures that make the people successful and make the actual employees of that organization able to execute on what they're trying to execute on. And those groups of people need direct leadership. And it's not because people are incapable of doing the work themselves, but it's because these jobs are complicated. These organizations are complicated. And the larger an organization becomes, or the more challenging or complicated the, 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 uh, the vision is or the mission is, the more you need steady hands guiding the rudder and ensuring that all the systems work work well and and so so my focus these days is on is on really on supporting that group of people that that front line that mid-level of of leader it's a thing that as i've observed industry my certainly my own career but just just kind of where the problems are in industry it's gotten me thinking, boy, we really screw these people over. You know, we want them to be, you know, we want to promote from within and so on. But most of the time, we don't really support our leaders. We don't give them tools, training, mentorship. We just throw them into a situation and say, you figure it out. And um, it's really, it, it makes it very, very challenging for these people to succeed. And as someone pointed out to me once, it makes that layer of, of organizations very, very unstable, very unstable because you're a convenient, you're a convenient place to quote unquote cut costs when things don't go according to plan. So you're given a tremendous amount of accountability. Um, but no cover, but basically no cover. You know, a, a, 
uh, of uh, an executive in charge of, say, a large development organization has any number of managers, directors, senior managers, managers, project managers. And if a program fails or an organization doesn't doesn't meet their obligations or, or, or meet their plan, the executive just generally speaking looks to, okay, well, where can I cut so I can make the numbers look good as opposed to investigating, did I do enough to set these leaders up for success? Did I give them the right training? Did I give them the right support? Did I give them the right um, uh, uh, tools? That, that, uh, or are they just kind of out there doing their own thing? And, and you know, most of the time, most executives don't take that level of introspection and instead just say, well, we just need to punish somebody. Uh, it's not personal, it's, it's just business. So what I'm focused on now in my career and actually with, with this podcast is trying to give more tools, more usable things for people in that midline leadership role to uh, to kind of take with them, to to help them out, to kind of give them a little coaching or give them some, some pointers, give them some tools, give them some techniques, give them some ideas, give them something uh, to kind of not just contextualize what is they're doing, but actually apply some real tangible things to their day-to-day tasks. And so Season three of A Case of the Mondays, um, instead of doing the interview structure that we have in the past two seasons, long form interviews with really smart, outstanding people, if you haven't heard them all, you know, please uh, go back and check them out because there's some real gems in there. Um, but instead of doing that this season, we're going to do, a, I'm going to do a series of a dozen mini casts. So these things will range from between maybe 15 minutes to 20 minutes, you know, not more than a half an hour, probably, you know, that 15 to 20 minute range. And we're going to focus on just sort of one topic um, and some tips, some tools, some, maybe a case study talking about what, what your leaders, what your actual hands-on frontline leaders can, can do to ameliorate issues um, that we're going to be highlighting on a week-to-week basis. And for season three, mostly what we're going to be talking about is that very, very first step that most people have to take to get on the leadership path, and that is project management. If you think back, those of you who are leaders, the first chance you get to lead is leading a team is leading a team over which you have no authority, but you have the accountability to get them organized to accomplish a singular task. And depending on the size of the project, that can be a monumental lift, an absolutely monumental lift. And so if you think about it further, like, there's PMI and you can get a PMP certification and there's, I was just looking at a thing where you get, you can get a, a weekend course for 500 bucks that'll get you ready for your certification test. Or you can get 300 project management templates for hundred dollars or you can, there's, we think that there's resources to train project managers, but fundamentally there really aren't. There are ways to teach people how to use some of the primary tools of project management but there's no actual training on how to lead a group of people, how to lead a diverse 
set of people with different backgrounds, different talents, different objectives, different bosses, different understandings, how to actually turn them into a cohesive team and drive them to be successful in a common goal. There really aren't any places where a project manager can go to, to learn that. And this is the first step that we force people to take, not unreasonably in my opinion, but this is the first step we force people to take if they want to move into a leadership role um, in an organization. We basically say, look, here's an impossible task. Go do it. And if you can do it without any help from us, then that'll tell us you're ready to get into leadership, which is asinine. It's absolutely asinine. If we gave leaders more resources, more tools, more coaching, more mentorship, and then we supported them frankly, <laughs> they, they will save the company. They don't want the company to fail. They want the organization to be successful because then, then they can reap the benefits of that. So, you know, if you're perpetually online like I am and, and you're paying attention to things like what's happening at Twitter, I won't get into all the politics of that, but I will get into some of the management stuff. You know, they, they laid off, Musk laid off what, about two-thirds of his, his workforce and people were cheering him on saying, oh, there's too many managers, too many professional managerial class people, too many of these people. And I thought to myself, no, I, it's not that there's too many of them, is that the ones that they have are, are have not been trained. They've not been given the tools. They've not been given the coaching. They have not been given the support that they need to be successful and, and then in turn make the organization successful. Um, so... So that's what we're going to focus on. So starting next week, we're going to take one topic of, of project management. And we're just going to take a look at it in a short, like I said, a 15, 20 minute conversation. And the goal is to for you to walk away with something tangible immediately, something you can use right away to improve where you're at on your leadership journey. Whatever you are doing, whatever you are leading right now, my goal is for every week for you to get something useful out of this little podcast. Um, take it with you and, and be successful. Because um, you're not going to get it from your leadership. You know, Unless you work for an organization, and they, they're out there, don't get me wrong, but unless you work for an organization that really takes time to develop its leaders, um, and we will talk about a couple of those, uh, some examples of, of what good looks like uh, down the road. Um, but unless you work for somebody that's actually taking a deliberate uh, initiative to improve their leadership team, which means giving you the kinds of, like I said, coaching and training and tools and techniques and mentorship that you need to be successful, um, I don't know where you're going to get it. And so I'm going to try and use this podcast to, to help you out. Uh, because here's what I believe. I believe that organizations live or die by their frontline leaders. It's just a fact. The people who day-to-day -day work with individuals to accomplish goals, to make sure that the vision and the mission of the organization come to fruition, that is what makes a successful organization. That what makes a successful church. That's what makes a successful nonprofit. That's what makes a successful trade group, whatever. It's not the executives. I'm sorry. If you're a CEO, good for you. I'm proud. You know, you should be proud of yourself. That's great. But the 
you are only as successful as your frontline leaders. And, and when I say leaders, I'm being pretty broad, right? I'm being pretty broad into whom I'm referring. It, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of title agnostic what a frontline leader is. But for the purposes of season three, we are going to focus on team leaders, project managers, program managers, program leaders, people who lead a group of other people over whom they have no authority, but need to get them to a common goal. So sit tight, subscribe, stick around, and uh, we're going to see if we can improve the lot of project managers over the course of the next 12 episodes. You all have a great week. And I will see you next Monday.